1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is the word of the Lord. A friend tonight when I walk in saw my shirt and said, you look like an Easter egg. (laughs) Now, I think round and fragile when, when I think Easter egg, but she meant it as a compliment, so I just, I, I don't know. Well, well, you might not see this shirt again for a while, so I do not want to look like an Easter egg. So, there was a, a picture going around online after the protests over at Fort Sanders, and it was of a young man his face was contorted in rage, maybe you saw it, and he, you could tell that he was uh, uh, angrily shouting at the people across the street and just, just you know, saying the most hurtful things he could say. And he was holding up the sign that said, I choose love. <laughs> that happened a lot that day. Uh, we were spared a lot of violence, I think to a large degree because of our excellent police force, Uh, but there wasn't a lot of love there. There was one side saying F you to the other side for four hours. That's pretty normal. Responding to somebody who hurts you or scares you or threatens you or maybe even is different than you with anger or hurt is a lot more normal, at least for me, than to respond with love. Tonight, I want to spend a little time wrestling with a question that Peter gives us of, how do we respond when somebody hurts us? Somebody disrespects us, uh, makes us feel unsafe, disappoints us, We might even broaden that, and I think this actually is a harder question, and I'm not sure I have the answer for it tonight, but we could think about this personally, and you might might just think of someone right now who you're kind of wrestling with, someone who's hurt you, because that will uh, help you as you go through the sermon tonight. There's another way we could think about this is, is there an organization or a system that has hurt you? disappointed you, let you down, frustrated you. I find just pastorally over the years that it's almost easier to work through a hurt from a 
person than an organization, a, a church, uh, the military, uh, your boss. What do we do when that happens? Well, that's what Peter is addressing here uh, in verses 8 through 12. He's wrapping up a section that began way back in chapter 2, verse 11, where he's talking about how to relate to the world and he's kind of, as Christians, and he's kind of tying it all together here. And in verse 8, he starts with just some of the, some of the soil that you and I need to have if we're to respond well when we're hurt, some of the kind of the the values, some of the things that need to be in our heart, and I would say that need to be in our community. Because I don't know about you, I think it's almost impossible to respond in love to someone who's hurt me. It takes something supernatural to give me the strength to do that. Everything in me wants to hurt back. You look like the Easter Bunny, by the way. (laughs) everything wants to draw blood back so how do we do it well first of all it has the kind of community that we're a part of finally all of you have unity of mind that's not just group think it's not celebrating diversity it's this idea that we're in christ and we have this shared love in christ and somehow as different as we all are we hold it together in love there's a unity in that And then next he says that we have sympathy. That Greek word means to literally to feel or to share in one another. So uh, we have the capacity to empathize with one another even when we disagree. And maybe that might even extend to even when you hurt me. Somehow I have the capacity to maybe for a moment at least wonder what it's like to be in your shoes. Then he talks about brotherly love, the sense that the Holy Spirit has made us brothers and sisters in Christ. I have a friend who was kind of upset with me, and I've known her a long time, and I just wrote her back, and I said, you know you're my sister, and you're stuck with me. You can't go anywhere. (laughs) And and it was a while before I got an email back, but when I did... um, she said, you're right. You're right. And I think there is that kind of a, a, an attitude, especially when we're talking about within the body of Christ. We have such a transactional society. We cut our losses so quickly. We unfriend each other so quickly. We just shrink and shrink and shrink the pie of people that we agree with. But this is saying, you, you know, sorry, I'm your crazy uncle. I'm going to show up at Thanksgiving. Deal with it. Brotherly love. It's just what we do. And then he talks about a tender heart. That's a word for compassion, that there's a real sense of caring for each other. Humility of mind, putting Christ's interests over ourselves. So that's kind of the, the soil where this radical response grows out of. Now, verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for Reviling. Now, uh, evil is a big word. It means anything that, that hurts you. Revile means to insult. It usually refers to abusive speech. And so, so what do we do when somebody hurts us? Well, the first thing he says uh, is uh, don't retaliate. Don't hurt back. 
And by the way, what, what happened uh, at the rally on Fort Sanders uh, wasn't that. There was no blood because of the police. What happened there was not this. This is something of a whole other order. This is really hard. So, in ancient times, when somebody hurt you, you'd go kill them. And that winds up with the Hatfields and the McCoys and um, the Middle East and all sorts of other things. And most of us have gotten a little more sophisticated in how we uh, fight back. We know it can't be that obvious, and so we develop other ways that when you hurt me, I pay you back. I, I don't shoot you. I don't beat you, but uh, I may use sarcasm. I may withdraw from you. Uh, I may kind of become passive-aggressive towards you. There's a whole arsenal of things that we can do to pay each other back that don't look that bad. And, of course, beneath it all is a heart attitude, right? It's, a, it's just a heart that grows cold and bitter and turns inward and says, I will not give myself to you ever again. And so you might think right now about that person or that organization, that system that I ask you to think about. Peter says, don't pay them back for the evil that they did to you. But are you? Is there a way in which you're making them pay? I was shocked this week. Um, I, I, I said something to Sandy about a person that I, I thought that I'd uh, worked an issue through with a long time ago, and it just was really ugly. And I, I remember thinking later on, where did that, where did that come from? And I thought, you dealt with that years ago. I've asked for forgiveness for that. I've forgiven that person. Yet it came right back up again. I was still paying him back with that little sarcastic barb in my kitchen. I was still paying him back. You know, you can do that with uh, organizations too, right? Maybe something goes on that, you, that you're not happy with. You can pay them back by just sort of checking out, pulling back, withdrawing, no longer being engaged, not giving of yourself by becoming cynical, by becoming bitter, by becoming critical. There, there's a lot of ways that you can undermine something in a Christian way that nobody knows. Well, Peter does, doesn't leave it there. That's the first step is not paying back. And even before, let's just get real practical. Let's suppose that you're with someone you love and they say something that hurts you deeply. And that, of course, is the challenge of all relationships is the more you love someone, the better you are at hurting them deeply. And once you hurt them deeply, they know exactly what their targets are. And they can hurt you deeply. 
So let's just suppose that you're in a relational argument and for whatever reason, the person you love has hurt you deeply. What do you do? What do you do? What does it look like to not pay back evil for evil? Well, if you're human and alive, you will have strong feelings of anger that well up within you as you pull back your bow and get ready to let fly. And I think what this means is just that you take just a step back and maybe you even say out loud in the context of the relationship, whoa, that just hit something in me that is really deep and I'm feeling some things I shouldn't be feeling right now. I wonder if we could hit pause. I want to work on this with you. But if we keep going right now, I'm going to say something I regret. It's a way to just kind of step back, diffuse the situation, stand down, and regroup. And one of the things that, that I've found in my own life, I suspect is true in your life, is that there's about three areas that are very sensitive spots for me. And if you hit me in one of those targets, I feel all sorts of emotions that don't, they're not appropriate to the hit. Happened at our shepherding team meeting Tuesday night. Uh, we have a great shepherding team. We've worked so hard to deal with good, hard conversations well. And we were having a good, hard conversation. Uh, and I found myself really forcefully responding. And I also found myself saying the same thing over and over again. And eventually, I think the Holy Spirit just said, whoa, 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 Mr. Reptile Brain. What, what is, uh, what's going on here? And even in the meeting, I was able to shut up for a minute, step back and realize that what we were talking about was connected to something in my past where I'd been hurt, and I was downloading all of that hurt into the situation inappropriately. And so I apologized. So that's a way that you can work on non-retaliation is if you can identify your own triggers and if you can see maybe what are the things in you that you're really susceptible to and when you hit one, just step back for a minute, pause and say, oh, that's, I just bumped into trauma from 20 years ago. That's why it hurts so much. That's a way to kind of Diffuse the situation. Peter doesn't leave it there, though. Then he says, But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Now, I, I, again, I don't know about you. Not fighting back is hard. Forgiving is a part of that, too, right? That's really hard. But now Peter is saying something that I really don't want to hear, and that is not only do I want you to not draw blood back, and I think forgiveness is a part of that, not only do I want you to do all that good work, I want you to bless the person that hurt you. Now, now we're really into elite spirituality. I mean, this is really, really, really hard to do. And Jesus talks about it, and I think Peter's probably actually quoting 
Jesus here in Luke um, 6. And Luke 6, 37, he's picking up the same theme and he says, Luke 6, 27, Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Let me read that again. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Wow. That's not, you hurt me, fine, I'm not going to say anything and I'll never see you again. We're way past that, right? What does he say? He says, love the person who hurts you. Of all the Greek words, what does he pick? Figures, agape. Self-sacrificial love, whether or not you care for it or not. It's the word that John uses when he says, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. That word, when somebody hurts you, when an organization hurts you, when a system hurts you, agape. Somehow move towards them in a positive way, and he calls that doing good to your enemy. The Greek word literally means beautiful. Wow, this is just getting... This is getting ridiculous. Not only are you supposed to not hit back, not only are you supposed to forgive, but you're actually supposed to think of a response that would bring beauty into the life of the person that hurt you. Wow. Something that would make them flourish Something that would make them look like God. Wow. And then he says, pray for those who abuse you. I think that is really, really practical. If you don't know what you can do to bless a person, maybe your mother is uh, really wearing you out, and you just cannot figure out what it looks like to bless her. You could start by praying for. Or maybe you, your husband is just, mm, mm, mm. he is driving you nuts. And honestly, you're just not at a place where you can think of what to bless them with. You could think of things to throw, but blessing, give me a break. What do you do? You can pray. There's something about prayer that really is dangerous. I mean, if you want to hold on to a grudge, if you want to keep your bitterness, do not pray. Because when you start to pray for a person's health, for their burdens, for their needs, for their children, for their future, for your effect on them. Oh boy, Betty bar the door. That's tough stuff. You might even find that you start to love them. I was very proud of the way you responded when we had the whole uh, the rally here in town. and Some of you or helped organize a, a rally for kindness over in Crutch Park. Uh, some of us went over on Friday night and prayed. Uh, there was a 
prayer meeting in the chapel on Friday night. Gary Peacock in the Campus House of Prayer started a prayer meeting Saturday morning. There was, I know, at least two brothers that went over to pray during the rally. I know of a number of people that came here to pray. I just, I just thought it was remarkable. And uh, Mark Pate was one of the guys who went over to the rally, and he said for four hours he just stood there and prayed blessing every time somebody cursed. He said there was one guy on the other side that was just kind of hurling these comments, trying to incite a fight. And, and Mark said every time he hurled, Mark would hurl back a blessing. And he said, I, I just watched him wear down <laughs> and get tired and go home. <laughs> Mark outlasted him. And we were talking about this, and he had an interesting perspective, because we all know what happened. We, we'd seen what had happened in Charlottesville, 500 people, torches in the night, deaths. We wondered if it was growing. We wondered if there was going to be some huge thing here, we didn't know, and now we laugh. It was a non-event, 70 counter-protesters to one protester, yada, yada, yada. Why were we so worried? Mark said, I think God responded to prayer. I think, because in all the prayer meetings I was in, there was a lot of praying a blessing over people that might want to do hurt. Maybe that's why it didn't blow up. You know, some of us feel very hurt by the current president and, and his, <laughs> sorry, his, his, the president. And if you're an American and you live long enough, some of you feel hurt by the next one. Some of you feel well hurt by the last one. It's just the way it rolls in America. What do you do? What do you do when you feel persecuted or hurt or offended by your president? You bless them. It doesn't mean you don't use all the things available to work for reform and all of that and vote your conscience and all of that, but you bless them. And one of the things that you can do is pray a blessing for Donald Trump. And four years from now, if it's somebody the other half of you hate, we'll say the same thing. You can stop and pray a blessing for that man and the, or woman. And the, the reason why I bring this up is, is this is eating some of your lunches. It is damaging some of our souls. Because hatred and bitterness and frustration and anger and fear is festering Yeah, but it's Donald Trump. I don't care. Barack Obama. Whoever's next. Pray for those who persecute you. Don't have to agree with them. Don't have to like them. You can keep working on your reforms. You can vote somebody else in. I, I'm, I'm really pushing you here on this one. If you're continually complaining about a political leader, you should stop and pray for them. I'd say that's true about your football coach, your pastor, your wife, whatever it is, your boss. Less complaining, more prayer. Less complaining, more prayer. Well, then Peter starts to develop what this looks like. 
or support what this looks like, he quotes Psalm 33. It says, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. The Greek word there means to hunt or to chase. He's saying, look, this is the kind of person I want you to be. I want you to chase down peace. I want you to hunt it down. I I want you to be aggressive and intentional as you work towards reconciliation and be very careful what comes out of your mouth. Here is an idea that's behind this that I want us just to think about for a moment. We're getting ready to close. In the biblical worldview, words have power. I, I, don't, I don't mean like Hallmark cards are a powerful thing because they make you cry on Mother's Day. That's not what I mean. I mean spiritual power. And if we had time, we'd look at blessing in the Old Covenant and cursing in the Old Covenant. And according to God, real energy is released when you bless someone and invoke God's favor on them, real damage is released when you curse someone. I believe in curses. I had a friend once who's a very strong prophetic gift, and he buried it for many years. And finally, I asked him, this really seems to be alive in you. Why'd you bury it? And he said, I don't want to talk about it. And I said, why'd you bury it? And he went back. He says, this is so embarrassing, I don't want to tell you. I said, tell me. He said, I got angry when I was 18 and I told a teacher, may God smite your heart. And he had a heart attack. Happened twice. That's why I don't pray. That's why I don't touch the prophetic. This scares me to death. I think he has a powerful gift, and I think he was using it the wrong way. It's real. I mean, you've been in, you've been in organizations, right? You've been in churches. You've been in families. You, you can walk in, and you can tell where the energy is, right? Sometimes it's a dark, life-taking energy. Sometimes it's a light, life-giving energy. Have you ever been in a situation where there's all sort of darkness flying around, somebody speaks a blessing, and it like releases and evaporates? See, words are powerful. How does an organization go from light to dark? How does a family go from light to dark? How does a church go from light to dark? How does a friendship go from light to dark? A lot of it has to do with your speech. If you start slandering and passive-aggressive sarcasm and criticism and gossip, you are joining in evil that will ultimately curse that organization. It doesn't mean you shouldn't care about reforming it or speaking truth to power and all those good things. That's good. But if you're just always finding fault, finding criticism, being judgmental, you're releasing death into the organization. And the last part, God tells you how he feels about that. He says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are open to their prayer. In other words, hey, I know this is really, really hard. 
But if you take this narrow path of non-retaliation, if you, if you actually start to try to bless the person who hurt you instead of curse them, I've got your back. That's what he's saying. I've got your back. I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. Because isn't that our fear, right? Is, is that, well, no, no, no you, don't, you don't get it. I have to fight for this because if I don't, they'll take me. I've, I've got to defend my, my honor here. God's saying, no, I got your back. And then he says, the face of the Lord is against those who do, who do evil. What does that mean? I just mean if, if you are a bitter person and you hold on to that bitterness and it starts to seep out in your words, you will experience a lot of negative energy in your own life and then in the lives around you. It's just, it's the way the world works. It's just true. You hold on to bitterness, it'll kill you. So back to that person you were thinking about, that church, that leader, that system. I'm just going to take a minute here before we come to the table. What does it look like not to draw blood and then to bless them? What does it look like to bless them? Let's take a minute and think about that.